fighting. All right. What a wonderful way to start the show. Uh, we are live. Uh, surprise. This is <laughs> the Pals Pulls, our Wednesday review show that you guys are familiar with. You watched every week or however long you've been tuning in. We are now doing this as a live show over on Twitch. Are we live on YouTube, Tyler? Uh, not YouTube yet. I haven't gotten that. Okay. Yet. Yeah, there's other things I got to do for that. But Twitch for now, it's a surprise thing we're doing today. We didn't plug it. We didn't promote it. If you're watching this on YouTube, happy to have you. Uh, if you're watching this on Twitch, happy to have you. This is the new format going forward. There will be some things that are different about this show than you're used to especially in the coming weeks. But for now, uh, it's going to be pretty much what you expect. We're going to be talking comics. In fact, today we are going to be talking about four of the biggest releases of the week. Now, one of the biggest changes that we're doing is that the image reviews that we would normally put out on Wednesday are just going to be a part of this show. So for all you Spawn freaks out there, we are doing why? spawn today. Why? That's we're that's doing spawn today. <laughs> why? The, the, Don't these, insult the spawn fan base. Yeah, never do that. Never do that. That's rule number one. Time. Thank know, you for tuning me. in, spawn fans. Can I uh, uh, rule number two? I just want to yell at the evil Ernie fan base. See if we can find those people. I think there's a Venn diagram that crosses over there. Actually, I don't even know what that is, but oh, okay. I do know and want to introduce you guys to the listeners. So first we have Marco. You guys know Marco. Hello, Marco. Sean, would you say we're doing this live? <laughs> I would actually. <laughs> but but my question to you is if you're doing it live and no one knows it, is it live? Um oh, I can't do these kind of I just came off of work. I can't do my on. brain's not there. We, we do have Hi. one person in the chat. Uh the Tyler. Yeah. Of, uh, that's me. Shit. Okay. All right. And I'm in there too. Uh <laughs> we also have Kale. Kale joining us for the first time on the Wednesday yeah. Reviews. How you me? doing? I'm exhausted. How dare you do this to me? <laughs> Kale, no, I, I love like... to torture you. <laughs> Kale, your hair is looking great today, at least. Ah, uh, damn. I know. Yeah, I know. See? I, I, I knew how to butter him up. There we yeah. go. That was Not a weird a... reaction anyway. But... The final voice that you hear is Tyler, who, of course, is uh, a regular here. Also now a regular on the Comics Pals main show, which you can hear every single Monday. Hello, Tyler. Uh, guten Tag. Uh, I don't know. Oh, how are you finding your promotion? Um, uh, I wouldn't I would be lying if there wasn't a little bit of an ego trip going on. But um, mostly it's just my creative juices are gushing right now. Um, and like my juices, like my, my creative juices, like if, if it, it, I can answer the age old question regarding my creative juices. Don't it, want that. It, it do and squirt. I, it do squirt. I, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I also want to make sure that we all understand that there is a moratorium now on the word gushy. Uh, mm. Gushing anything gush is, is now banned. <laughs> Any conjugation. No gush, gushy. Uh, just so we know. Uh, and okay. No gushers? No. Not at all. So Let me introduce the books, please. And thank you. Today, we are talking about four books. We've got Inferno, number four, the book we're all here for and excited about. Can't wait to dive into this bad boy. On your screen um, as well. Yeah. Yes. We've got uh, X-Men, number six. Uh, we've got oh, I, probably our first Dark Horse book on this, uh, this, on this show? review show. 
Oh yeah, I'm just, Apache oh, yeah. delivery service number one. Oh, you got the variant. I did. Sean, oh. Sean Stay be getting them variants. Damn, I love variants. I don't hot. know why I ordered it that way, but you know, I love it. I love it. Uh, and then we have Spawn three twenty five. Oh, also you got a variant. Cy Gorilla. Variant. You know I had to do it. You know I had to. Okay. You guys know. Hot take while we're here. Cygor, the only cool Spawn character. Wrong. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We will talk about it. But you know what else we're going to talk about is Inferno number four. This is probably my most anticipated book of the year thus far. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, just, just so you know, uh, um, I do have this giant ass uh, spoiler alert that I can I can bring up on here. Uh, uh, bam. There. <laughs> we will. We will. It, we are going to spoil the living hell out of this comic book. So hopefully you guys have read it or you just don't care about spoilers because we're going in uh, full stop. Nothing, nothing's going to stop us Krakusi. from Let's diving. Go. Oh, my God, Tyler. I can't handle it. Uh, it is. It so is. let me let me get through the creative team. Of course, Jonathan Hickman, his last hurrah, allegedly on the X-Men. <laughs> Uh, Valerio Schiti and Stefano Caselli did art together this time. Uh, David Curio on colors. Uh, Joe Sabino did the letters. And of course, Tom Muller, the designer of all the X books. This is the big finale. And there are a lot of things to dive into. But one of these people is reading Inferno for the first time. And that happens to be Kale. Kale was trade waiting. Inferno, <laughs> but because he is now a member of this particular show, he had to read them all to be able to do this review. So, Kale, I would love a brief overview of your thoughts about Inferno so far before we dive into issue four. Okay, so um, I, I believe I was on the first uh, review for uh, for Inferno one, and no, I wasn't, but I did talk about it on the show. Um, man, that ending to that first issue where Destiny just fucking shows up, incredible. Yeah. Here for it. Oh my god. Um, it's it's so interesting because I read X Men Six before I dove into Inferno, and nothing else X Men has the gravitas that Hickman does when he's writing, especially these characters. Yes. Um, and it's, it's interesting to <laughs> actually get to read like an X-Men, uh, an Xavier and Magneto story. Yeah. Um, where they're like, they're like in their prime and they're like doing the damn thing. Uh, that was really, really cool. Um, the thing that plagued me through this whole thing is that th this could have been so much more. I, it just it ripped me asunder through the whole thing. It's just like, oh, this could be, this could be cool. Um, and, and we'll get into it in four in where I think the sort of... Um, uh saving grace came you know his sort of um, hail mary came from so he could end it the way he needed it to mm -hmm. um 
you know, I, I, I want to say I'm dissatisfied because, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be over. Like, this is not fair. <laughs> um, but I gotta say, like, for what it is, I'm not, I'm not upset. Like, I'm not mad. It's pretty good. All right. So good to hear. That's a glowing review from you. Too. That is, yeah. I don't think I've ever, I don't think Kale's ever got up on this show. Well, he's never been on this show, but I don't think Kale's ever been on a review that we did and said something was pretty good. So I'm happy with that. Let's dive into the actual issue here. Um, it, it, it picks us up pretty much directly where issue three leaves us, where Magneto and Professor X are facing off, not only with Orcus, but with the two primary antagonists of the story so far, um, unless you count them as those people, um, uh, Omega Sentinel and Nimrod. This is the battle of the century. Think about it. We haven't seen Professor Xavier and Magneto really get it in, really throw down at all in the Krakoan era. So for this to be happening was mind-blowing. And when they when when uh Omega Sentinel and Nimrod turned around and just killed every human, I was like, oh shit, the game has changed. This is the end game scenario for Earth. You know, like it's beyond human mutant. This is something completely different. This is bad. And we understand that this is not Nimrod at his full powers, but Nimrod at any power level is a problem. And this fight was incredible. Definitely the fact that they just turn around, smoke everybody. Um, I love that. Like it was, it was such a moment it, it, to emphasize the fact that they have this power, not necessarily the upper hand, right? Because at, at this point, right, he's not at full strength. He's not there yet, but just like a taste of the, of the ideology that we are the superior. And that's something that gets tossed around throughout is the fact that, um, at the end of the day, it'll be either the humans or the machines that will prevail. And the X-Men, mutants at, mutant dumb at the end of the day is going to be struggling and fighting for survival. So the fact that this was the move, it just emphasizes that, that entire conflict. It was awesome. A great moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tyler, would you get out of that, if anything? Yo, I love Nimrod. Yeah. Like... The one thing that like, I'm getting out of this is like, yeah, sure, the the uh, Moira stuff is great. Sure, like the Mystique mm. and Destiny stuff is great. But like, yo, Nimrod? I'm like, uh, all right. I, he's always been one of those characters. And I'm like, ah, I wish there could have been something better with him in an X-Men book. Like, because like, X-Men villains are like some of my favorite villains there. So seeing Nimrod have a chance to shine. And there was that one panel where I think he's fighting Magneto where you only see like the it's all in black. It's like heavy, heavy inks. Um, but you see his eyes behind it, his eyes and his mouth. I was like, yo, that's menacing as shit. And mm -hmm. I was really, really hyped for that. Um, yeah, I think this, um, what I liked about this is that um, it didn't disprove a lot of the theories we had. In fact, it proved one of them. Um, 
but uh, it also leaves Hickman's uh, uh, all of his toys in a place where, yeah, it kind of answered the Moira story, really. Like, Moira's story is mostly done. Um, it can be picked up whenever, wherever. Thanks, Shakira. Um, but, um, and, and, but knowing that we have a, what's the, what is it? Uh, Mortal X-Men coming up, uh, yeah. by Gillen. Yes. Um, it's real interesting to see like how this will tie into that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I still think like I'm, I'm with Kale where I'm like, I feel like there could have been something more here, especially if Hickman knew he was continuing on or something. I don't know. Um, I did enjoy the art a lot. I, I've, I've been a big uh, proponent of uh, Valera Shidi for a while now, uh, and I'm a big Caselli mark. So seeing them two on this, yeah, it's not Pepe Larraz or, or RB Silva, but I think these guys are working their way up to like match those two. Now, now like the X-Men books have like a, like a, 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 a quiet council of their own artists and stuff that, that's, that's working out. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Man, the... I really want to know what Sean, Sean thinks about it, though. <laughs> Sean, I, actually, I'll let you jump in. Okay. Um, I thought this issue was brilliant. It cut the fat, right? Because we all know why we're here. We know that we're here for about six characters. Six or seven characters. Magneto Xavier, Omega Sentinel, and um, Nimrod. Emma, Mystique, Destiny, and Moira. That's it. Those nine. Those are the only characters that matter in this particular phase of the story. And that's going to bother people. There are people who are not going to like that because they want to see Cyclops. I'm repping him right now on my shirt. They want to see Rogue, who was somebody that people were really upset was not a part of this. I Lot get it. They want to see Gene. No, no one wants to see that. <laughs> All right. Well, but... Hickman had to end his era in a way that allows the next era, the baton pass to be seamless. And in order to do that, he had to resolve the story for the most major players. And that's what this accomplished. So from that perspective, I think this was perfect. I don't think that Hickman could have done anything differently with the amount of space he had knowing that he was leaving and that he had to leave things in like a kind of flattened out way that was also compelling knowing he was not writing it right that's a lot of work and so i want to talk about um the theories that we had that paid off because i think that shows some of the brilliance and then i'm gonna i'm gonna i want to hear what marco thinks but i want to i want to say i want to get this out Sean, Moira, that, yeah. Do you yeah. remember whose whose theories they were? Because I can't remember at this point. I do. Okay. Right, so cool. the one I was going to talk about, about yeah. I, Sean always remembers. Yeah. <laughs> Sean is never forgets. You. That's never true. forgives. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> so I said in the the issue two review that Moira was working on a cure for mutants. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's exactly what she had. That was her end game the whole time was to cure mutants and remove the mutant gene from children. Because they say it's before it activates for all mutants, pretty much 
it activates around the time when you mature, when you start to go through puberty. So that's talking about erasing the mutant gene from children. That's the same as genocide almost. It's an awful thing. And that was a brilliant turn because it solidifies that she's bad, but she's doing it because she thinks it's right. You can't craft a better villain than that. It's so interesting because I went, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and the, the, the thing I liked about it is like, this has been Moira since her inception as a character. Exactly. Yeah. And Moira's it's a just, good guy. It's just skewing it in the slightest bit. Yep. Where her, her her intentions are exactly the same, but because of you know Krakow and all that, it's in a more sinister light, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go forward on that, Marco, I want you to share your thoughts, and if you have thoughts about what we just said, please do. Um, I think for I guess starting with the extension of that conversation, I think yeah. I'm I'm especially excited for the outcomes in Immortal X Men because that is sort of the the next uh, step here for this storyline where I think, and I hope with what Gillen's been doing on Eternals, we get a similar, a more complex, a bit meaty, heady vibe for the Quiet Council. And that I hope that that's what this story is gonna be focused on because I agree to Kale's earlier point that there's so much here that had this could have been a Hickman book, right? Where like I could have seen this be a twelve issue mini, like uh, or like a maxi series, or he could have just been doing the Quiet Council and like fuck, like that's political drama that I'm absolutely all about. And so I, my hope is that that's exactly what he's going to be doing in that. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to it. The the other thing was going to be I was just reacting to something Tyler said about Bela Rashidi. And I read this book, then X-Men and Pepe Larraz is in that. And man, I I definitely miss Larraz on art. I think yeah. Shidi does an incredible job, no doubt. But there are moments in this where backgrounds are, and this is obviously a stylistic choice. Um, it just didn't work for me as well, I think, where backgrounds are, you know, those single colors or like a, a, sim- a simple gradient. And I would have really wanted to to feel like there was uh, there was space in in this book. Obviously, it's a fight scene, so you know, largely a fight scene. So you can mix and match it however you want. But I think Laraz does a really good job of giving us that spatial awareness as well. That's something that Shidi didn't necessarily do. Again, love the art, but uh, I think uh, for shame to compare, but I, I mean, like, th- there's there's more there from a technical perspective that Laraz could have added to this book, and I think it would have been that much more of a uh, a moment had Hickman closed out his run with Laraz, who had like established all of this. That would have been phenomenal, um, and we didn't get that. I don't hate that, but uh, just like a, a quick critique on on that art. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, I I think that's probably one of the bigger shames of this whole thing. And I think that's the art side is probably the the part that's the most obviously impacted. And that I think Hickman, if he could choose, 
probably would have wanted this to be a story that had only one artist and probably that it'd be the Raz, right? Um, If you, let's say you only read House and Powers and then this, story-wise, it's not, nothing really changed. Um, You can read the one and then read this, but the art is not the same. You know, um, they're obviously utilizing the style that LaRoz kind of crafted, but he's the master. You know, he's the he's the one that set the stage. It's not different than Hickman not writing the X-Men because he is the Hickman of the art, LaRoz. So I completely agree with that. I think this would have been a better experience were it LaRoz, but I also think it would have been a better bookend Um if it were LaRaz, but no shade, because I think that Caselli and, and Shady um, do a good job. They're, they're both very talented. Excellent. I don't want this to come across as if we don't like them or we don't think they're good. They're very good. You're just talking narrative cohesion at this point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like full um, creator cohesion, which is fair. I mean, Caselli and Hickman have a long history together, too. And and, and I think in, in this book where there are two artists, I think having Caselli do the the latter third, I believe it was, where there is a tonal shift in the story, and then you switch over an artist. I, I like if you're gonna have two artists on a book, do it when that when the story can necessitate that, you know. Um, and I'm glad they did that here. I love Caselli. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm an an initiative see, uh, secret um, secret warriors fan. So um, secret I, warriors was so good, dude. That was Caselli with Hickman. You know, like, I didn't so, remember that 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 was yeah, Caselli. And, like, He's only a veteran at this point, I would think. I think he could, he's a verified veteran, but I don't know. I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I mean, Pepe Larraz and RB Silva. I'd really say uh, Stuart Eminem kind of perfected that kind of uh, that kind of feel. Yeah, uh, but you know, you know. I, I know. I get. I get. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with with them moving on. Or, or I mean, they're doing X Men, so they're not fully moving on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. But. Uh, I was. Well, I'm kind of. I'm kind of surprised that you guys weren't weren't as hot on it as I was. I, again, don't think it was bad. I think it yeah, was great. Sure, there was yeah. never a moment where I was like, "Oh, this is rough" or anything like that. Let's uh, let's shift gears just a little bit um, because I do want to praise Hickman for the level up that happened here for certain characters two years ago. Who was talking about Omega Sentinel? Now, <laughs> she's a piece of the biggest X-Men story of the last 20 years. Nimrod. Nimrod is not an A-list X-Men villain, right? Worst He's just name not. ever. <laughs> best name ever. Don't ever disrespect Nimrod. I mean, okay, you know what I mean. Like, worst, best name. Nimrod is a hunter from heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's hot. That's fire. Now he's a major player. Now I can't wait for the Nimrod movie. I can't wait for the movie where it's <laughs> Nimrod versus the X-Men. That's going to be fantastic. And it's because of Hickman. Now Nimrod has a voice that we can that we can like address in a movie. You don't know, no, Kale? No. What do you mean? No. Don't, don't talk about so. MCU movies in front of Kale. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. First yeah that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I. I'm sorry, Kale. I don't want to interrupt you, but we are getting comments, and uh, 
uh, Nightmare Rain X said, you have to bow before the Nimrod. You're completely right. Thank you no, for adding that. No, you're not that. right. You're human. Yes. He's going to kill you. I'm assuming you're human. Okay, that's a, that's an unfair assumption. Yeah, I'm don't assume you're human. How dare you? Yeah, so uh, that's, that's 2022, you can't assume. Go ahead, Kale. Go ahead. I just, uh, I don't think there's enough here. I think had we gotten the full Hickman, then we could have had it. It's not over. I mean, it's over for Hickman. I think, I it's think not over for Nimrod. I think that part's over. I'm. I want to see. What <laughs> we'll we'll does see with Nimrod this. again, but I. It's not going to be this. It's not. It's not going right. to be the full Hoxpox vision from Hickman. You think he has like a manuscript somewhere that he just like mailed to Karen Gillan? And and it's like I, a scroll. It's a giant scroll. Would, and it's only written in Krakoan. I was I was thinking about that genuinely as I finished it, and I was like, I bet they had a talk. Oh, I bet. Oh, I would have loved to have been in that talk. Like Gillen's the type of person who would appreciate a giant tome given to him. A hundred percent. You know, it's like it's but, like when a president writes a letter to the you know the yeah, the next yeah, president yeah, yeah. sort of thing. So let's talk about um what it means that Emma fully betrayed Xavier and Magneto. Good. That relationship is over. Good. Fully, completely dead in the water. Does this change how you guys feel about Emma right now? Love her. No, no. This I, th this feels so true to her character where she she sees a vacuum and she goes, I'm going to fill that space. Like, I'm going to I'm going to do what I would I'm going to do is best for me and what is best for what I feel my own plans are and who's to say she has planned necessarily but um it's not even to go against um like xavier or Magne or uh magneto it's the the transparency that was placed there that that focus on just like hey you've lied you're now have to stew in the consequences of this like fuck you guys for not including me and now you have to face the ire of all the the rest of the council. This is what the status quo is, and I'm leading that status quo. That oh my god, I can't do it, man. Let me explain why I don't. I'm struggling with that. Okay, because really? that's what's yes, yes. I, I have I think a problem, that's what you're, I, Marco. I think that's what you're led to supposedly, but the thing with Emma, there's always something else. Mm. My thing is this: this book says, "Hey, you guys were wrong for keeping that secret." So Emma goes, I'm going to tell everybody who's on the quiet council and no one else. Mm -hmm. Why is that so different than what Xavier and Magneto already did? Why was Emma knowing better than her not knowing? She didn't help anything. In fact, that decision that she made led to Professor Xavier and Magneto dying not being able to tell the quiet council what they learned, which was critical information that the machines are not with the mutants, that they have their own agenda. They don't know that now. And now we lost Moira as a mutant. Granted her plans, awful plans, right? <laughs> but Emma mystique and destiny to me are selfish. I completely disagree. 
great. Go ahead. Too. Yeah, that's good. Emma, Emma's core is always it's always masked to be about herself. That's the that's the, the the image she puts out there. She puts out the selfish image. You know, she's got these machinations that she wants to project. But at her core, it's about the children. It's always been about that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is saying, hey, Magneto and Professor X, you're, you're, the Quiet Council was bullshit if you guys were consolidating power behind the scenes. What is the point of the Quiet Council? So it's her then taking that because that's what she does. She takes power when she wants it. And when she needs it. And that's her taking it and then consolidating it with Krakoa. It's the Quiet Council. Obviously, I, I think I think there is a limit to that because you can't tell everyone that that leads to madness, essentially. But she can then share that with the Quiet Council. She's sharing that with Sinister. She knows Sinister is a piece of shit. You know? It's foolish. How is that smart? How is it smart? I'm not saying it's smart or not smart. I'm just saying it, it tracks for her. I, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm not saying it as a track. I'm not saying it's not in her character. I'm saying I don't like it. And not that I don't like it as a story beat, just like appreciating it as a story, as a soap opera. I'm hating her right now for that. That's what mm, I'm saying. Mm, okay. I think that what she did did not help. It hurt. I think it hurt, but I think in the long run, it helps her. To some, oh, yeah. to some oh, extent. Exactly. Which is sure. why I said I think she's selfish. <laughs> I don't think it even helps her specifically. I think it helps Krakoa. If, if, if the Quiet Council can then finally act as a unit and knows all the shit that's going on, sure, they don't know about Nimrod and Omega Sentinel and all those dead humans, but they know about Moira and the many deaths, deaths and lives of her. Um, now they're all on the same page, for better or for worse. And I think they can figure they can figure out the Sentinel stuff, you know. Oh, I'm sure the next time they when the time comes, yeah, Yeah. next time they bump into Nimrod, that dude talks too much for a robot. You know, it might be too late. And who knows what Sinister is going to do with that information? This is really bad. Sinister, Stefanik Selly draws a fantastic Sinister with a, the, the Yo, mustache. His mustache is unbelievable. Yeah, highlight of this whole Krakoa thing is Sinister's fashion choices changing in every single book he's in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, God, there's just so much to unpack here. Um, I really love Doug's role here. Oh, Obviously, so good. Hickman, you know, threw Doug in at the last minute in the third yeah. issue to say, yeah, Doug's going to play a factor here. Uh, I really love Doug as the white hat of the story. Everybody else is either just black hat or shades of gray. Doug is like, yo, whatever you guys are doing is fine. Don't break the rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you do, Bay's going to handle that. And my favorite thing was, was Destiny so was like, badass. listen, I don't think we want this heat. Because if we, <laughs> if, we, if we do this, <laughs> we lose regardless, no that's matter like, what. That's like when the waiter screws up my order and I ask my wife to tell him. Like, <laughs> like, I don't want to tell him it's rude, you know. Like, can can you just? That was a perfect beat, um, and I love that Krakoa is a factor in that as well. Like, no, these are the laws, and there will be consequences if you break the laws. That's just what it is. Um, so that was fantastic. I am cool with Mystique and Destiny still being a part of the quiet council and stuff like that because of the tension that it's going to bring. I can't even imagine what immortal X-Men is going to be like. Yeah. My question though, excited for it. Yeah. My question to you guys, because Xavier and Magneto don't know what happened, right? 
how is what happened going to impact the story going forward? Are they going to be filled in on everything? I I think they're going to have to learn everything. Like um, organically, or do you think they'll be told? Well, I mean, in regards to, you know, like I said earlier with the, uh, with Orcus and, and what happened with Nimrod. Yeah. You know, everyone's going to have to learn that. Um, but I, I would, I would imagine they'll just be told, oh yeah, they, Doug did the thing and Krakoa is on to you now. So you better watch it, pal. Right. I, I think the thing we're, we're forgetting about here, and I don't know, maybe you have this written down as something you want to talk about, but uh, Colossus, he knows. Yeah. And he knows everything and he's a friggin' mole at this point. So yeah, dude, absolutely. That's, that was my next point. I was actually yeah. going to bring up this, uh, this sequence here. Oh, that mustache. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say before we dive into that, though, um, the dialogue in this issue, Kale alluded to it earlier, is so good. There's a weight to everything. Um, it's crisp. And when the when the words and the panels and art are in are like in synthesis, this is some of the best comics. Some of Doug's uh, stuff was really on point. Um, there's a couple keep, of panels I keep laughing whenever you just say Doug, like, <laughs> I know, right? Like, look at how slick my man came on the page. Yo, look at this man. guy. Look at this guy. The nerd of Krakoa is slick because he knows everything. He's so confident. He knows everything. <laughs> that's, that's one confident. The way, Hickman, the way Hickman just baked that in too, like it works so well. Yup. And and even uh, Moira being like, "Oh, are you gonna wish me luck?" And Doug's like, "Nope." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Warlock is like, "Good luck, self, not friend." Like she's she's banned. She's banned from Krakoa. It's a wrap for her. Um, she's human now. Right? She's human now. Yeah. yeah so. But I would also argue even more than her being human, she's an enemy of Krakoa. The island yeah. itself. Yeah. And and the mutants. And I think. Part of what leads me to feel that way going a little bit forward is this sequence that I held up. So the way I interpret this is these characters are looking at Magneto and Charles. That's how I interpreted it. <clears throat> They're not happy. Yeah. Even Nike and- with his BTS haircut. <laughs> is, is- yeah. <laughs> for, for people like Storm and Nightcrawler and Kate to give them that look. That's not good. Well, and to fully have storms back to them. Right. Yeah. Uh, And then, as Tyler mentioned, the Colossus angle of it. Colossus is a sleeper agent, for those of you who aren't keeping up with uh, X-Force. He is being controlled. Oh. Um, Right. Yeah. So, by his brother... And like the Russian government or some some yeah. craziness like who is also in league with the vampires, I believe right. is in current continuity. Yeah. So wow. there's a whole other level to Colossus being there, which, again, is to my point about why the Quiet Council knowing this was really bad, because now everything is on the table and everybody, every pocket now knows the X-Men's biggest secret and weakness and because he's got his fingers everywhere. Right. 
the the secrets of the secrets of how they resurrect is now known to Orcus and the Russians, right? And the secret of how they have always failed and how Moira and all her powers are now known to at least the Russians and I think Orcus as well. That's the implication that I got. This is awful for the mutants. Awful. I don't think that this was a happy ending at all. I think this was a very bad ending. Mm. I wonder then is Immortal X-Men going to be just a book about damage control, right? Like, like how do you mitigate the loss of information? How do you mitigate like the, the strategic moves from there in? Lots of I questions. Think, I think that's where X-Force is going. I think I, in the solicits, you know, they talk about how, you know, X-Force needs to be more secretive and off the grid. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see it. It's just weird. Like at Wolverine is so inconsequential to all this. And I like, think though, like the, that, the, the, the major trio, I mean, it, it's by design, right? Um, but yeah, it, it, we're it, headed it, into it. a major Wolverine event uh, with true. X lives <laughs> and X deaths, Wild, which I'm really excited for. Um, let's put a, let's put a wrap on this. We've been talking about this book for a while. With our closing thoughts, this is the end of the uh, Hickman era. Don't necessarily get into that. We'll do that on the main show. Just sum up the book, your thoughts on this issue and the story itself. Um, this thing was hot fire. I had a lot of fun reading it. I think the the week to week, I mean, sorry, the month to month format did it pretty well. Um, it left a lot of suspense and uh, I'm. this was a cool send off for Hickman. And um, yeah, man, I, I I do wish I got more. I do wish there was a, a difference in art, but that's not a knock against the book or the creators. Um, and I had a lot of fun. I, I hope that Hickman returns swiftly. Uh, and if he does, I'm losing a point in that end of year bet. But you know what? It'll be worth it. Agreed. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I think... Honestly, I think it's fine. Hickman's leaving, to be honest. Um, Leave. Does, does No, I'm not saying, does it suck? Yes. But I think I'm excited to see what other people can do with this world now. Yeah, who? Especially Gillen. Who? I'm a big Gillen fan, dude. As of right, Yeah, as of right now, that's the book I'm yeah. most looking forward to because I feel like yeah. if there's somebody who's going to carry that from what he's been doing on Eternals, just in general, Gillen as like, dude, that's the die, kind of stuff he does. Die is next level. Especially I haven't world, gotten that world yet. Building and the fantastic like elements to it oh it's it's insane he he makes sense he makes the most logical sense like i was thinking about it as the book ended and it's like more in immortal x-men right like yeah. he's the only logical choice he is that kind of guy who is a spiritual successor he's not hickman yeah. but he is the guy who can do those heady kind of large he, world things but he is gillen but he is gillen yeah Wait, which, what does that mean know, comes with things i mean i personally i think gillen is much better when it comes to character voices i think hickman can yeah. t- everyone kind of just is a little serious you know uh, everyone kind of has this heavy gravitas to him um which i think works for the story he was telling but like gillen can do that and also be funny at the same time which i'm mm. perfectly okay with um yeah like i'm reading once in future right now which is it's some heavy shit going on in that book but there's also characters being characters instead of everyone just being this archetype or this idea really i am very happy with this issue i obviously say pull it it's my book of the week um i think hickman really could do no wrong with the x-men it's a shame that this is over um but 
from top to bottom when you talk about the character work, when you talk about the dialogue. And I think when you talk about the art, there's not a lot that could have gone better for this series. It's unfortunate that it, it is at an end, but for what we got, judging it by what it is and not what it's not, I think it's brilliant. Um, for you guys in the chat and you guys that are watching this later, I want to ask you, how do you feel about continuing with the with the uh, Krakoan story? Are you motivated by this to move forward in March when the when the uh, when the line picks back up? Will you read X Lives Excess of Wolverine? Is that something you care about, or are you going to be a lot more choosy now with the books that you read in the X line? Sound off in the comments on Twitch or on YouTube, wherever you're listening to us. Let us know what you think about that. Um, we're going to move forward. Was that anybody else's book of the week, by the way? Uh, hell yeah. I've only read the four so far. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely, yeah. definitely mine. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's, let's shift gears to another X book. Uh, let's do X-Men number six. This is where LaRaz is at. Uh, we've got uh, Jerry Duggan writing it. We've got LaRaz and Marta Gracia, the dynamic duo of art and comics. Of course, Gracia doing the colors. Uh, Clayton Cowles on letters, the hardest working letterer in comics. And of course, Tom Muller on the designs. Um, this book has been equal parts disappointing and surprising with pretty much every single issue. Uh, what I mean by that is there are aspects of it that I didn't see coming, um, like the Ben Urich elements that I've really been enjoying. The fact that, you know, with the with the reveal in this issue, which we're going to talk about, that Cyclops is Captain Krakoa, obviously that was extremely obvious. The reason why is compelling to me. But then That's on the obvious? other... Am I stupid? I, I thought so. <laughs> I, I, I When I first saw the preview image in like October or September, whatever it was, I was like, okay, why would they... What, would it, why, would, why is Cyclops wearing this? Doesn't make any sense. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I wasn't... They got oh, me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, that that's just that's just uh, that's just how I feel. Um, uh, Matt saying I ain't reading that shit. I guess in reference to the the next era of Krakoa. Although Matt, were you are you kept up on uh, Inferno? Have you been reading this I, stuff? I don't, or? I don't think he is up to okay. date. Up to date. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but the other end of that of what I said, the disappointment aspect of X-Men is that it's not Hickman's X-Men. It never gets heady enough. The dialogue is never elevated enough. It's too, um, you know, monster Duggan. of the week for me. That's too Duggan, geez. Um, too, you, you're a Buffy fan. What do you mean too monster of the week for you? Yeah, that works in Buffy. I guess. Yeah, I think it works absolutely. in superhero comics too, and this is. I think it works it in plenty of superhero comics. I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. I'm saying that we went from uh, an X Men book where the best part about it was Apocalypse in a suit going to meet the World Council and then murdering everybody that was there, to the, an X the X Men getting in a Zord and fighting a Kaiju. <laughs> That's a steep drop. I think Kale disagrees on that one. <laughs> he can. That's fine. That's my I opinion. Oh, you don't? You really? I the don't. kaiju I and the mech? Really? Listen, I, I have yeah. standards. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh, th yeah, that aside, I did think this issue was pretty good. Tyler, go ahead. Okay. I mean, I, I kind of like, 
in my head, I'm okay with separating this from everything. Like this, this was marketed as like, oh, this is going to be the the cows and capes X Men book. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really touch on the Krakoa stuff. They're not even on Krakoa in this. The, the most Krakoa is that there's a, a treehouse that is built out of Krakoa, and then Cyclops becomes Captain Krakoa. And I, I kind of <laughs> like that as a, I don't know, like a little side dish for the X-Men stories because everything on the line has to deal with Krakoa in some extent. You know, oh, there is going to be a mutant gate that they're fighting off in every single book they're in. Um, This kind of being tied into it, but also enough separate from it. um, I'm enjoying and it it is kind of just dumb superhero comics, which I enjoy. Um, So, I I mean, I'm okay with that. I I like there being two different flavors of this delicious ice cream that is the X-Men line right now. I think I'm I'm right there with you. This is this isn't the same kind of, you know, it doesn't have that gravitas that Inferno did and I think it felt like a palate cleanser coming mm-hmm. off of reading that first and then coming into this. It's just fun, you know, there's no it doesn't feel like there's these huge stakes and I don't mind that. I I like that we can just kind of deal with the situation at hand. Um I thought the Captain Krakoa thing was kind of confusing. I wasn't getting it and then um you the... forgot cyclops died last issue but like <laughs> yeah same no I, had... there. I was like oh, oh, okay i had the same like the same reaction just like oh yeah okay that's that's right i had to look back to be like oh sure okay um and then i don't remember why uh yurik forgets and that was something that i feel like it wasn't clean i don't think we know the answer to that to be fair okay i think that was new for us too oh, okay that's good yeah yeah, but still, it it doesn't it didn't feel like it was presented in a way that was very clear. Mm. Um, what about you, Kill? Uh, I don't know this this series overall for me has not felt like it has enough. It feels a bit like it's trying too hard, um, but it's not quite achieving what it wants to do. Um, for me anyway, um, you know, they're, they want to bring the X-Men from Krakoa to New York to be superheroes. I guess, man, like it just doesn't, it just doesn't get there. You know, I get the fun angle, but it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything. Yeah, um, and and to that point, I actually feel like this is this book suffers from something that a lot of the other books in the X line suffer from, which is that I don't think it's really earned itself. Mm. Um, You know, even the like monster of the week stuff hasn't. I don't think it's been that good. Um, What do you mean? What do you mean by earned itself though? Not interrupt, but like no, you're good. Um, So the premise is. Oh, this is the fun superheroics X book. And I don't think that it's doing that so well that I need this. Mm. Just like I don't think that Excalibur was getting its point across as the swashbuckling book where these characters are going to go around and save mutants all over the place. I don't even think it really nailed that. I don't think it earned itself through its premise. Marauders. Marauders. I'm sorry. Yeah. Marauders. I think there's an issue that he's getting them mixed up too. Like, <laughs> like that in itself might be an issue. 
Right. And in fact, I think Excalibur is Excalibur and X-Force are the ones that did earn themselves and Wolverine. Those are all good. Yeah, Wolverine's good. Yeah. How Wolverine, I feel like, has been lacking the past few issues. It's just like there was a storyline there and then it's kind of deviated and has become similar to this. Just like this is what we're tackling this week. I don't know. And sleeping on new mutants, man, that's. To be That's fair, I did man. drop that. I did. I dropped it after um, after Ed Brisson left. So, um, issue two. <laughs> he, he left. He didn't leave. No, issue it was two. Like, it was Hickman like left. Arc. It was like an yeah. Arc. Hickman yeah. left. Hickman did his one arc and he dipped, and then Brisson did his arc and he dipped. But um, but yeah, I just don't think that this book does enough of what it promised. And then the other stuff that it tries to do, I just don't think works that well. Let's talk about it. Uh, here we have. Uh, what's this guy's name? The villain? Um, Phalong? Phalong, yeah. thank you, which is amazing that his name is Phalong. Uh, for all you Street Fighter fans out there, he decides he's going to go and claim what a moon of Mars. Yeah. A moon of Mars, a moon of Morocco. Bobos. Uh, how? Same yeah. way the US claimed stuff. Like, or. <laughs> yeah, or, I mean, or, you could. You can try, but did. wouldn't you just wouldn't you just get smoked? Why did thought, why why did Sunfire just let him do that? Because he's a quote unquote good guy, you know. Yeah, I I I think Sunfire probably would have. Well, there would have been a bigger struggle between them had the the guy the other guy not shown up. Vornak. Yeah, he didn't last long. He got shooped and whooped like uh, by Sunfire. Was- Squished, yeah. No, but Phalong. But Sunfire also blasted him. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This part of the book I actually did like. It was cool, but I don't get it. No, I don't either. I haven't been reading the book, but I just you know (laughs) assume that. um, I mean, I can. It it had to do with the you know the broader you know building stuff around Araco, you know. So, okay, cool. I can I can vibe with that. But the the context. Uh, Fei Long is a human that is realizing that mutants are becoming, you know, the dominant species in on Earth, and he's trying to reclaim some of that power for humanity. So he's experimented on himself and stuff. So he's essentially uh, supervillain Elon Musk, which sounds redundant, but you know, no, he's not. not There's about forty of those in (laughs) modern comic books. What, what so, I thought what I thought was weird was the fact that like he's he's Orcus and they're just letting him walk like walk up and be like oh I'm claiming this like I'm planting the flag and that's it like that that for me felt super dissonant as the fact that they're a huge antagonist and you're just gonna let them walk around and on literally overlooking Araco. That's literally what I'm saying. I don't understand how he was able to do that. I don't get that. You would think that they would be out in force to stop something like that from happening. And they exactly. just sent one dude and he got smoked. And that was that. Guess he Does, wins. They didn't even send the dude. The dude just went by himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do do we uh, do the X-Men know that he's Orcus? Um, I don't think so. Don't, I thought yeah, they did. did he he like. Didn't he yell it out? Like he's like we and us as York uh, Orcas and stuff. 
I mean, well, that could the, I don't be... think many mutants know about Orcus. That's the other thing. Right. That's kind of only a, a small handful. The ones who like been Cyclops sent... doesn't know about Orcus because he keeps dying there. He like right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really is. Yes. I mean, now the Quiet yeah. Council knows, so Orcus isn't really a known threat for most mutants. Cyclops right. doesn't isn't on the Quiet Council though. Um, right, but, no, but I think the point is there. Yeah, he keeps dying, so he never gets the memory of it. Right, so. right, yeah. Um, so yeah, like the the sequence was cool. I just didn't buy. I didn't believe that this guy could do this. That was hard for me to swallow. Um, but at the same time, I really enjoyed the Cyclops bit because I like that Cyclops is sort of at odds in a way with the Quiet Council. That's been the status quo for him for a little while. Um, I like that. Normally, he is always down for whatever the cause is. And here we see a Cyclops was a little bit more resistant to that. Um and now the fact that he has to have this whole other identity because he died and they can't let humans know that they have the ability to resurrect, that's a pretty big wrinkle, I think, in the story of the mutants. This is like when your player character dies in Dungeons & Dragons and like you had a whole bunch more stuff for him and you had to put, roll a new one. And you're yeah. just like, fuck, I didn't want to do this guy. Like, Yeah. Um, the art's great too, I think. I, I mean, it's Pepe Larraz. Yeah. Great stuff. Look at this. This is crazy. Just when Sunfly, Sunfire blasts this dude. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I love I love whenever Sunfire gets to just unleash on somebody like that. Sunfire looked dope in this in this book. Dude, his yeah. costume right now is is it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Also under, under, underused character, I think, Sunfire. We have a sponsor. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna read off the sponsor right here. Okay. Um has someone stolen your precious celestial body? I've successfully litigated the safe return of both natural and artificial satellites from the peace, the peskiest of neighbors. Call today. Please, no planetoids. Justice is blind, and so are we. Blurred Murdoch, space lawyer. Call us today at Z002.097B. I, I tried that, that number. That it didn't work. There. Uh, no, yeah, it, w- it wouldn't be a Jerry Duggan book unless he sh- he brings that character in an ad in like that. So it's <laughs> kind of his thing now. I love that. I thought that was really funny. I got a kick out of it. Yeah. He's been doing that since what? For for a while now, I think. Look at these colors, guys. It's tasty. Right? It's good stuff, man. Like, like even uh, I think like the, on the third page, you see, get to see... Uh, Krakoa, like as the tree, and it's mm-hmm. just looming over the Quiet Council. It's excellent art. Yeah. It's just the story feels like it's dragging. It's fun, you know. It's a fun just action romp, but the the cohesion on the story itself is pretty loose, and I don't I don't know where it's going. Um, I'm gonna pick it up just because I, I like to see these characters, but otherwise, I don't know. I don't say pull it. I say, mm. oh. uh, I say, trade weight it. Interesting. Yep. I if you really have said to. that on the show for a while. Yeah, yeah okay. maybe. I'll, hmm. All right, I'll pull it. But mm. even then, I don't know that I'm enthused about it. <laughs> a reluctant pull. It's more like a yank, I, really. I, I think. That's I just don't think, think anything. That's the differentiation between a yank and a pull. Oh, yank. Marco's used to those. Um, <laughs> Kale, Tyler. Uh, I would. I, Oh, okay. I would not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't have the three bucks to waste, and I did. So, 
<laughs> don't do it. Uh, I would say I'd say pull it. I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah. very good. Uh, for you guys that are listening, is the X Men by Jerry Duggan, Pepe Larraza, Martha Gracia book lighting you on fire? Um, do you even care Same at this fire. point? <laughs> nice. All right, I'll give you that one. Yeah. <clears throat> um, share your thoughts about that if you're still into the book or if you're not. You know where are you at? Um, I'm kind of just waiting for the relaunch, to be honest. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Apache Delivery Service. This is a weird one we pulled um, from Dark Horse. It's a new number one, and it's by a creative team that is pretty well regarded now as one of the better duos in comics. Uh, Matt Kent with Tyler Jenkins um, and uh, Hillary Jenkins. I chose this in large part because Marco's here, and I know that he loves um, Matt Kent. Um, So why don't you start us off talking about this book? Man, I was kind of disappointed. This is not a (laughs) strong, uh, this is not a strong start, I feel like, for a Matt Kent book. Um, Interesting. I think they've done, uh, I think, more consistent stuff from like a narrative perspective in a first issue to really grab you. Um, I think the art's great. It definitely has its quirks. Um, Tyler Jenkins is somebody you kind of got to have to get used to. Um, and he changes his style a lot. Um, the last book that they did together, Fear Case, featured a lot more of this charcoal kind of look. Um, this one has much cleaner lines. Uh, the flat colors are uh, Hillary Jenkins, this is his wife, and um, she works really, really well in watercolor. And here we're a bit a bit more subdued in that. I think we still get that flavor, but uh, a lot more flat. Um, and that's not to say a bad thing. I think stylistically it, it works. But Remind, um, the art reminds me a lot of um, Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot. There's a lot there for that style. And um, the the way the the story is presented, um, I think, wasn't too clear or concise like i don't know where the plot's going necessarily usually that's much more direct and um you get a bit more from uh from characters usually and mm-hmm. i don't know that i got a lot from um the guy's name is mm-hmm. dine i don't know that i got a lot from him i don't know why i should root for him that was his name yeah i, I think that was a i think it was a specific tribe that he was in yeah no, i don't think that was his name no no he's navajo really? he's navajo not apache uh, sir i'm dine navajo not apache Oh, I just thought that was. I, yeah, I didn't get that, that was Navajo. his name. Okay. Oh, I took that. I took that as his name. I very well could be wrong. Because uh, in the in the end, uh, oh, right, it Dine says, is the name of the Navajo people. There you go. Oh, is it it's, really? Oh, it says as Ernie and Sobrat journey deeper into the jungles of Vietnam. So he's either Ernie or Sobrat, and I'm gonna assume he's Sobrat. Um, well, in that case, that's even. Uh, I, I'm more disappointed by that because I feel like I didn't even get their names. I think I, that was deliberate, actually, though. Yeah. Mm, okay. I thought that was a part of the story. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably my my big complaint about a, a, a first issue is when I don't know the characters' names. Same. What are we doing here if you're not going to introduce the character to me? Yeah. I think that's a storytelling device, though, because nobody yeah. else in the book knows his name or cares to know his name. Right. I think he's supposed to be this unknown soldier in a way and we're supposed to kind of also not really know who he is 
That was the vibe I got. And yeah. it's funny you said Unknown Soldier because it specifically reminded me of that story. I don't know if you said that because you read that back in the day or what, but yeah. I, I maybe subconsciously, but yeah, yeah. Do you remember that story or that was um what was again? It was um oh, who wrote I mean, it? also the idea so of the good. unknown soldier is, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so fine. Think, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. But um, um go ahead. I was gonna say, um, I have read a lot of Matt Kitt number ones. And I have never read a number two. Wow. <laughs> really? He's one of those creators that just does not click with me. No um, way. Okay. Because they get a little out there. And I enjoy mm. this issue. Mm. Like, it was like the first one where I was like, okay, it's not some really crazy, mind bending, supernatural or trippy kind of story. Um, it's a lot more grounded. Uh, it is a very small cast. It's not an ensemble. It's just this one real character that we're kind of following around. Um, and there's a cliffhanger, like simple. It was like simple storytelling for me. But I was like, all right, I'm in. And I think the art is very good. Um, it it kind of gives me, um, oh, who did um, Last Guard? I don't know if you can help me out with that one. Um, uh, Matt could probably help me out in the chat if he's still watching. But um, the, uh, it was Greg Rucka and Rucka and yeah, I totally forgot it. That's oh. the old guard, right? Oh, the old guard, yeah, 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 the old oh. guard. Oh, Fernando, um, hold on, the old guard. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a comic. Uh, whatever. It's, it's kind of that, that more. Uh, it, it is cleaner than what I, what I picture a, you know, um, Leandro Fernandez. Yeah, yeah, Leandro Fernandez. Yeah, it, it's go. it's cleaner than a, what I picture a Tyler Jenkins book being in my head, mm. um, which I was appreciative of. Um, yeah, so I actually I actually enjoyed this. I thought it was uh, interesting because huh. it takes it takes a turn, that I'm like, oh, that was a a a more grounded turn, but also one enough where I'm like, oh yeah, that that is weird that there's just some random. Um, I'm hearing Dick Dastardly's voice in my head when this this character talks. He's like a. Yeah. Uh, a dandier version of Craven the Hunter. Um, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, and then and then like then there's a story there, and there's just one looming character in the background. So I don't know. I was actually kind of kind of kind of, kind of digging this one. Yeah, same. I um I was, I would I would say I was moderately interested as as the story went on, um, but once we once we get to the you know the um the the part where he talks about in in the flashback you know i guess his his father or whatever um uh, you know says you know a well-skinned hide should have everything intact and the next thing we see on the page turn is you know a desecrated corpse like that immediately got me um and then you know the 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 big cliffhanger i mean that sold me on this series like i'm i'm in wherever this is probably yeah gonna go yeah i'm in wow I, I like this because it what didn't feel like a matt kent book to me i love war stories unfortunately um i'm just a sucker for stories where it's just horrible war um and we read those books by um garth ennis thank you garth ennis yeah, and you, were you doing know garth ennis impression there same. they weren't <laughs> There were aspects of those books that I really enjoyed and the aspects of them that I enjoyed were the parts that felt authentic and that didn't pull punches. And this is very similar to that. You know, um, you have a story that's equal parts about the horrors of war, 
um, the lack of respect for the kill, as it were, which sounds pretty awful, but that's what the book was evoking, um, yeah. similar to when you kill animals, as, as Kale pointed out, um, <clears throat> and also racism, mm-hmm. right? It's dealing with these things in a way that's compelling, I have to say. I was surprised by how I felt about this. <laughs> um, I wasn't in love with it, but I definitely enjoyed it. And I didn't expect the cliffhanger by any means. So I have no clue where this book is going at all, but I'm probably going to read the next one. Yo, I'm so excited. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Who could have called that? Yeah. A Matt yeah. book. And then Marco's the coolest on it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say, I think we liked it more than Marco did. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I did like, um, Sean, you brought it up, but like the humanity aspect of like respecting the kill, right? Like, I think feel like that's a, something that in war you lose obviously because people lose themselves in it and the fact that he comes from a place where you regardless of the situation you respect the the sacrifice Mm -hmm. uh it that was such a good contrast to the the war itself right you're where you grew up and then how you treat your fellow man uh in these dire situations in situations where otherwise you would want to show this kind of mercy uh, and for that to just not be something that you would do. Like, I, I like when Kent kind of dives into these concepts. Um, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that you guys like this. Uh, it's weird. I, I, feel, I feel weird now that I was not as hot on it. <laughs> I, uh, I will bad. say I'm hot on this issue. As soon as it takes like a really, really, really weird turn, I might be off. No, see, and then and, that's and where I'm going to be like, yes. Expect it. I kind of expect it at this point. So, mm. yeah, uh, we didn't really talk about the art. Um, I do have to say that the art was probably the weakest part of the story for me. The weakest, no. weakest aspect of this book. I, I don't think that it was like bad. And I do think it gets the point across. And I can't necessarily tell you what I didn't like about it. Uh, maybe it was because of how sort of plain it was. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen anything from Tyler Jenkins that I liked or that I was like in love with. Hmm. So it could just be that uh, his style's not for me. But again, I didn't think it was bad. I thought it fit the story, even if it didn't light me on fire. Yeah, Jenkins is, I think, a a more odd creator in the way that he draws. Uh, very, very like line. Uh, the lines are pretty thin. The way that he draws um, backgrounds, it changes from book to book, which is what I appreciate the most about him. And so this is pretty different from some of the other stuff that he's done in the past few week, uh, the past few um, books, just in general. Mm. Um, I think his collaboration with with Hillary has been really, really fruitful. They did a lot of cool stuff. And I, I love her color work. This one was for me from a color perspective, a bit lackluster, because I think her use of watercolors is a bit more um, free form. If, if you follow her on Instagram, she does these like um, uh, these, these, what do you do when you like, uh, do like mountains and stuff like that? I'm afraid of the word landscapes landscapes yes landscapes and they're beautiful uh the way that she uses super minimal colors i think that's the advantage of what she brings to these kind of books is a usage of really limited palette 
but makes them very expressive. And um, I think that combination uh, works so well with these kinds of books because uh, the, the storytelling is usually pretty evocative. And um, I think that mixed in with what Kent's going to do later, later on, which I hope he gets weird, is where that kind of fits for me. Um, that's like a perfect marriage. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, um, I get what you mean by like not jiving with it. Jenkins is definitely uh, unconventional. Uh, so pull trade waiter pass. I say pull. I'm gonna say pull, pull on this one. Yeah. Pull. I say pull, but that's with the caveat of also trade weight because I'm a trade waiter. Like if I weren't reading this for the show, I would be trade waiting it. Do we know how so long this is gonna be? That's good for me. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. Usually, it's like four to six issues. Like four. Yeah. Yeah. I, if if this if this the trajectory goes like smooth it's probably a good trade you know sure yeah yeah i'm interested in what he has to say clearly he has something to say so i want to hear it um let's let's talk about spawn the main event right let's make it quick what we've all been waiting for (laughs) um we've got to pad this part of the episode uh tyler okay all right fine just want to show off this cover once again because I do think it is very hot. Um, Who did that variant? And, um, uh, good, good luck. I don't see <laughs> finding I don't variant see artists credit. Uh, yeah, listed is is tricky. Yeah, unfortunately, I would love to give credit, but I, I don't see it. Um, it's not so, McFarland. We can say that. Well, you know what else is not McFarland? The writer of this book but when you look at the cover it only cre- credits todd mcfarland and carlo barbary which is always, really always strange going into business for himself at mcfarland huh so this was written by rory mcconville who did the script and plot right a lot of times todd is credited with plot uh carlo barbary did the art um tom orzachowski did the letters j david ramos did the colors um and the you know, Tom's only credit is creative director. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, whatever. We said that Rory McConville wrote the best issue of Spawn that we have read with, uh, I believe it was 324. And I have to say that this issue did not live up to that. Boy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. was fall, I was falling asleep. <laughs> like my issue is that Spawn is such a cool character. I think that's fair. There are some page like uh, panels here where he's like jumping in the sky and his cape is like taking up you know half the panel. Like it is an awesome design. I can give McFarlane that. But if there if I'm reading a Spawn book and I get to a page that is full of about twenty different paragraphs yeah. of dialogue. You're doing something wrong. That's not why I want to read Spawn. I skipped the page. It to to Rory's credit here, I I do think he does a a decent job of not telling us what's on the page. Right. Yeah. Already. Okay. Um, you know, he at least adds different information. It's a bare um, minimal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he, he is uh uh, a, a good writer but yeah this was brutal man 
it's unfortunate because I thought we were onto something with this. Um, but this this really was kind of a dud. Um, you know, it establishes some things that are important for sure, like the fact that the Forsaken appears to be hunting various versions of Spawn, and that this, you know, this group, whatever they're called, um, they are collecting spawns. Uh, okay, you know, I'm into that. But why did I have to listen to them prattle on about their plans that don't matter and don't make sense when I could just be watching Spawn beat ass? Dude, you have Haunt show up in this. Haunt's one of those also, like, great character designs. Yo! And, like... What the hell? Haunt's great! I love Haunt! That didn't matter! It didn't! We got, instead, five pages of a boardroom meeting in a Spawn book. And, like... And not... uh, It's not... Not, like... Jonathan Hickman, you know, no. quiet council like dialogue. Yeah. It's a loud you council. Know, it's a very loud council on this one. Just people talking. Um, irrelevant dialogue. And I but, feel like Spawn is just so simple. Like it's guy fights demons and there's angels. Like just keep it stupid simple at this point. Like it's just every Spawn book I read, they're like name dropping people that I don't know. And they don't explain it. And it's always just short, fat dude, too. It's always that. Um, the clown? It's, no, it's it's like three characters in this book. Oh. Uh, yeah, like uh, Cogliostro is one of them. And that other ginger guy. Like, it's it's so, it's such a bummer. Like, you uh, Spawn's one of those characters that just has so much potential. And it's never really worked out because uh, its creator has a stranglehold over the character. <laughs> Tyler, to, to quote Cordelia, um, you want to take a shot? Be, be my guest, but you won't get any assistance from me. <laughs> Sean, I heard the Buffy fan come out of you there. Just for yeah, 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 dude. I, I, I just, I felt it's it in my bones Cordelia. right there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to completely crap on that segment because it wasn't, it wasn't like the dialogue was like cringe. It wasn't like it was over the top stupid. It was just boring, you know, like he's setting the table. I get that. I understand that there are there are there is a major story at play. And Tyler, you're not going to know that because you're not reading Spawn month to month. I will be. Uh, (laughs) You will. You you will be now. Um, And so there are bigger things at play, but there are ways to show that that are interesting. And they've done it before. There have been scenes like, for example, uh, whoever was here, any, if, if any of you were here, I don't remember when we did the review of um, Gunslinger Spawn. Yeah. And there was that scene with the woman who's like controls dinosaurs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Why? Because see. she looked fucking cool. She had a crazy costume. She was talking shit. It was interesting. And everybody else in the scene was talking shit, but they weren't talking my head off. They said what they had to say, and she had dinosaurs. Like, yeah, <laughs> great. This is fantastic. I want a spawn book should be action figures. Like, yeah. Yeah, like it's. Uh... If someone in this book had dinosaurs, I'd say pull it. <laughs> if Cygor was in this book, I'd say pull it. I agree. I agree. But none of that happens. We get haunt, but nothing happens with haunt. So how can I say pull this? If, if Spawn is supposed to be an action figure, the coolest action figures possible do not appear in this comic book. Pass. Agreed. 
Hard pass. We'll see you next month, you guys. <laughs> now, hold on, because I need to. I need right now to speak to my Spawn fans. Okay, okay. <laughs> I need to speak to my Spawn fans. Listen, I'm not saying that I don't like Spawn. I fucking love Spawn. Okay, Spawn is fantastic. The last issue, really good. Gunslinger Spawn, really good. King Spawn, eh. but this book right here. Just didn't cut the mustard. I'll give it credit for one thing, though. And I'm saying this for that fan, that listener who commented and said, stop shitting on the book for the news items. I'm saying this for you. I was really happy that in this comic book, there were no news segments. Okay, I'll credit it. I will give it that credit. You're welcome. Thank you to all Spawn fans. Frankly, Pass that, on this book. That's where the book lost me. I was waiting for it, and you know, how am I oh. supposed to know what's going on in the world if I don't have the Alex Jones analog telling me what it is? <laughs> Probably a short, fat dude too, right? <laughs> my man. Uh, yeah, pretty much. My He's man Alex looks Jones. like a frumpy Alex Jones. <laughs> what a character with an HGH belly in this book. Tell me the news. Carlo Barbary, by the way, still really great. We yeah, say it every good. month. I wasn't crazy about the art in this one, actually, uh, toward the end, especially. Um, really? I mean, looked, if they gave him something to do. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably part of it. Uh, yeah, these board, these boardroom scenes and the, the doctors, you know, just passing through halls and talking to Cordelia. <laughs> it just it something about it. Maybe it could have been the colors or the line work. Something about it just felt amateur. Oh God! No, in in, really? in in ways that I've like knocked other books from a lot lesser creators for. It feels like a dynamite book. That's it harsh. Feels, uh, what was that company? Uh, Don't that, say it. You Double know, take. you know exactly. Yes, that's what that feels like. No, uh, no, I don't you're, know. You're you're wrong, bro. You're, you're gonna you, you, you're gonna have to just you're gonna have to justify that right now. You're gonna have to point to a page right now and tell me where this looks like double take. Uh, okay. Scenes. <laughs> I mean, look at the uh, where <laughs> where Spawn is. Uh, he's got the uh, he's asking the guy in the green shirt about. Cogliostro or whatever the fuck his name is. I don't think it's that bad. I I don't know. It just doesn't look good to me. Uh, he's in the in the bottom corner. I think it's the. Um, just so you know, all Spawn fans, uh, Kale's Twitter is at uh, Toto and Toe. <laughs> That's T O T O I N T O W at Loud underscore Pete. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'll I'll say that paneling maybe isn't strong. I don't know that it necessarily felt like it was guiding us through pages. Um, the uh, I think on that same page, actually, what is this? Page sixteen, where we mention who's Figueredo, Figueredo, um, and there's just like this series of truncated and kind of choppy panels, but like I don't know, dude. Or even the next page is like just blood everywhere, and people are. Of, been blown up i don't know kind of like okay but 
otherwise i don't know i, I think the art's the strongest part of this book okay i mean i agree i think for this issue it's absolutely true and for every issue we've read except for three three twenty four or whatever i think that's true um but yeah i don't i don't think we need to belabor it on spawn we get it uh, this issue was not good, <laughs> and we'll be back whenever the next Spawn issue releases to tell you whether we think it's good or bad. That's, that's um, the pull quote for the trade. We get it, the comic spells. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. So before we close out, we've got a couple of things that we're going to do here. The first one is that I am going to introduce to you guys a new segment here on Pals Pulls. This segment is one that I'm affectionately calling, and if you guys hate it, let me know, uh, Comics Tag. And the idea is that I am going to tag one of the pals with a book that they have to then read and come to this podcast next week to say what they thought about it. And then that person can tag whoever they want with whatever recommendation they have for them. So I'm going to start because, uh, you know, it's my idea. And I'm going to choose Marco. Hello. Hi. How far did you get with Joker? Uh, The second issue. (laughs) Read issue three and four. Okay. Dude, you're draining his wallet, man. Come on. No, no, no. I have have DC Universe. I can read it whenever I want. There you go. There you go. So you will read Joker three and four. Come here next week. Let us know your thoughts. And then you will have the power to tag anyone you want and make them read whatever you want. The only caveat is it can't be, you know, some long thing. I did two here just because I felt like it. But, you know, typically it should be one. But um, that's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do as he says, not as he says. You see this T-shirt I'm wearing right now? Do you see this? (laughs) This makes me the leader. Um, What? Excuse me. This. Podcast bad, bad t-shirts. No, don't ever say something like that about a t-shirt with Cyclops on it. Okay. I think I, I think I'm the leader with my t-shirt. Honestly, I got this no. duck fit going on. You're you, you are not you're the leader of the spawn fandom with that t-shirt. Oh, if only there's power there. So that's true. Them they, they dropped over a million dollars on that Seriously, uh man, that Kickstarter, toy. that toy. Yeah. yeah. It's like was one it Matt, one of them being yeah, like king of the was. juggalos? It's like right right underneath that. That's yeah. hilarious. You're not wrong. And then the last thing we're going to do before we get out of here is the actual Pals Pull segment that you guys know and love from the main show. Uh, we are moving that over here. Uh, it makes sense. We do it every week anyways, so we might as well just make it official and do it here always, and the main show will not have that anymore. So if you want our thoughts on the upcoming books for next week, which some amount of these we will be reviewing, of course, um, this is where you will come to hear that. Uh, Tyler, why don't you yes. go first? I'm going to pick uh, the Department of Truth number 15. Uh, it's by James Tinian with a uh, guest artist, David Romero, uh, who did some of his uh, Razor Blades horror magazine stuff. Um, this yeah. is an issue that deals with Mothman. <laughs> what? Um, wow. Apparently, yeah. the government the government tried creating their own tulpa and uh, created the Mothman by accident in West Virginia and... Uh, it sounds like it's a, a quick little arc. That's fun. Yeah. What, sir? This is a Department of Truth. Yeah, dude, it's so good. It's it's okay. real fun stuff. It's okay. all cryptozoology shit. 
um, and government oh, conspiracy shit. stuff. Okay, I didn't. Uh, know they about they that. even t- touch on like really like like kind of messed up stuff too. Um, then Aren't I also the... picked Devil's Reign Superior Four Number One. Uh, this is a Zach Thompson joint artist, uh, David Tinto. Um, this is Doctor Octopus coming up with his own Superior Four. Um, Love it's it. A, it's a it's a Devil's Reign event tie-in. How about you, Marco? So I picked a image number one, Rain. It's a uh, Joe Hill book, and I think it's being co-written by David M. Brewer. Uh, I, I like Joe Hill. I think uh, he does pretty cool stuff within the horror realm. This looks to be a bit different and kind of going away from that horror focus. And so I'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to do there. The art's by Zoe Thorogood mm-hmm. and uh, colors by Chris O'Halloran. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what what he has to put out. The The cover looks pretty cool, kind of like Clint-esque, and uh, I'm interested. Um, and then the other book I got is uh, May's book. It, May's book number five. This is a Jeff Lemire solo uh, piece. It's Ooh. him doing the, uh, the story, the plot, and the art. I like when he does these kind of things. They're pretty... Um, Oh, they're, they're pretty. He does. He works in watercolor specifically, and this is about a father who has to traverse a mind maze um, where he has to find his daughter who's been lost there. And uh, it's been a really, uh, really good book. I, I usually pick up Jeff Lemire joints, and so this is another good one, another image book. I'm oh, sorry, no Dark Horse. Nice. Uh, how about you, Kill? Um, I am pulling the trigger this week on uh the mini deaths of lila star the yes uh the trade um very very excited this is ron v and philippe andrade andrade um on the art uh this one of my top books of the year i think the the premise is insane the art takes it to a whole other level um i'm so excited to get my hands on this book um it's about death becoming mortal and trying to decide whether or not she's going to, to kill the child who can bring um, humanity uh, immortality. Mm. Um, it's such a cool concept. I'm you, so, you, so into it. You only read the first issue, right? Uh, the first two, I think. Two? Okay. okay. You, yeah. You're going to like this. This is a very yeah, you yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is uh, Daredevil Woman Without Fear, number one. Um, this is uh, Electra's Daredevil. I'm so excited about this concept, man. I, I know I said this uh, over over uh, the, the episode, but I think Electra as Daredevil is uh, a no-brainer of a, a concept as an evolution of both Daredevil and Electra. I think it's uh, unique. I think it makes complete sense. And uh, I think it's cool that uh, Chip Zdarsky is going to push Elektra uh, in a in a different direction for her. Mm. Um, so the, uh, uh, the art is going to be done by uh, Rafael de la Torre. And it says Chris Barcalo uh, as well. I wonder if he'll be on the covers. He's on covers, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. 
uh, Electra is the world's deadliest assassin. And she's taken a vow not to kill. Sweet. Sign me up. Love it. I also pulled that. Um, that's going to be cool, I think. I love where Electra is right now. I can't wait to dive into the red, white, and blood, I think it was called. Yep. Um, yeah. I picked that up. I can't wait to dive into that. Uh, really excited for where the character is. So I'm going to get that. Um, and then also... Um, Robin and Batman, number three. I've been hot on this book. I think it's really, really good. Um, I don't see enough people talking about it. Um, it's fire. The Dustin Nguyen art is incredible. He really doesn't miss, and this is no exception. Jeff Lemire is telling a really interesting story that centers primarily around Robin, and it's kind of like a, like a, a almost like a pre-year one Robin story in a way. Um, and there are, you know, some differences between what you know, what you think you know about Robin and Batman's relationship in these earlier times. Um, it feels like it's building towards the relationship that we know, and I really appreciate that. And it's doing some things that are kind of surprising, the Killer Croc angle, things like that. So great book. Only three issues, I believe. This is the finale. Yep. So go out and pick this up. Worth your money. I stand by it. Um, it's great. So Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. If you tuned in live, that's super cool. This was not something that we promoted in any way. This was more of a proof of concept. Um, this yesterday, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we and we're doing it today. So that's the kind of thing that you can expect from us now. Like we we want to expand. We want to do bigger and cooler things. And streaming is definitely going to be a big part of that. So we will be announcing our streams in the future we just wanted to see if this would work and it did so um huge shout out to everybody that tuned in thank you to everybody who's watching on youtube make sure you guys hit that subscribe button it is totally free to do like the video share it with your friends we're trying to get to 500 subscribers we would love to get to a thousand subscribers because if we do kale owes us a backflip which <laughs> i am super excited about yeah uh, so let's do one backflip let's get that going um <laughs> Matt. <laughs> uh, I do want to read uh, Isaiah Osa's comment. That's actually Harris from the Discord. Thank you for tuning in. I hope Electra's turn as Daredevil won't be brief. I think she had a very short stint in the 90s, and I know her amalgam version doesn't count either. Um, yeah, I didn't know that she had ever been a, a Daredevil before. Yeah. Um, that's not that I didn't have any awareness of that, so that's pretty cool. I got to figure that this is something that they're going to let live for a little while marching to the beat of chip's drum you know whatever he has planned for the wider daredevil story post devil's reign will definitely influence how long she gets to be daredevil but i think it's great so far so why not keep it up um yeah so uh listen to the main show the comic spouse drops every single monday there we talk about the news in both the comics industry and the film industry as it relates to comics. So if you like that stuff, join us on over there. Make sure that you guys follow us here, by the way, so that you know when we go live. Um, if you are not watching this on Twitch, that's twitch.tv slash the comics pals. Head on over, hit the follow button, subscribe if you feel so inclined. Actually, I don't think we can have subscribers yet. yet, but definitely soon follow. Soon enough. Yeah, soon enough. Definitely hit that follow button. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. Make your Wednesdays 
Comics Pals Wednesdays. Going forward, watch the pull list every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Thank you so much for watching. For these guys, I'm Sean saying until next week, take care, guys.